Thanks, Marielle. If you want to leave uh, your outlines, you've got a great space to take some notes as we think through this passage of what God has to say to us. Um, we are kind of continuing through. We had that Questions for Christianity series we, we just went through throughout January that was really looking at the first uh, three books of Mark, answering the big questions that it raises that intersect with society. What we're going to do um, really up until the 2nd of May is spend our time working through this Gospel of Mark. I love the book of Mark. It's the kind of fast and furious of Gospels and moves quickly through. Mark uses the word immediately, immediately. And it's like, this happens, that happens, and it's all about Jesus. And so this week, as we come to this next section, there's a bit of change in gears. So let's pray. We can ask God to help us to understand and apply his word. Let's pray. Lord, you have spoken this word by your spirit. You have preserved it throughout the ages and you've given us this account of the life of Jesus, of who he is and what that means for us. We pray that, you, that by your spirit that you would bring this word to light. You let it show us where we are getting near the edge of a cliff. You let it comfort us and help us to work out where our security lies. You let it challenge us and change us. We're so thankful that your word is living and active and pray that you'd do your work through it in us this morning. Amen. Well, the saying goes, see if you can finish this sentence. Friends, countrymen, gentlemen, lend me your... Right, Shakespeare. Um, I knew it was a famous saying. I had no idea what play it was from. Apparently Julius Caesar, so you're not sitting there Googling it. Going, but it's, it's a common saying so that people knew what that meant. Now, that phrase has got special significance for me. Not because I love Shakespeare. Oh, he speaks weird English. There's some things that are good. He talks about roses and their smell and how sweet they are. But uh, lending your ear was a funny, funny phrase that a friend of mine used to do all the time. I want to introduce you to John. Uh, this is John, a friend that I grew up with. Uh, as a good friend in my church, uh, we read the Bible together with others. Um, and, and one time we were going in a car up to a conference with some other people in the car. Uh, I was probably about 18, 19 at the time. Uh, John was two years older than me. We were in the back seat of this car going up to the conference. Um, John was in the middle. I was on the right-hand side. And uh, someone else, this new guy that was coming with us to the conference was on the left. And um, at that moment, John yawned and his ear fell off. That's because John was born without one ear. And the ear on the other side is a magnetic one. He's even got different colors for when your ears are different um, shades of, of, um, of pink. Uh, it's a prosthetic ear. But what happened in this car was he yawned, it fell off. The new guy that was sitting next to him kind of looked. He just picked it up, put it on. No one said anything. <laughs> we used to have all this fun growing up when someone would say, lend me your ears. And so he literally, according to you know, who was there, take it off and throw it at them. <laughs> There's my ear. Well, as we get to chapter 4 of Mark, we're going to hear something we haven't heard before, not in the, in the context of Mark. For the first time, we get a detailed view at the content of Jesus' teaching, of what he actually said. So far, we've seen little one-liners and a couple of phrases here and there, uh, but this week, we actually get to see what's going on in this most influential person Jesus' life, and it's all about hearing, hearing. Come with me, Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Listen, Jesus says, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns came up and choked it and it didn't produce fruit. 
Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60, 100 times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Now last week I mentioned the mark and sandwich. It's not about the bread, it's about what's in the middle. In this parable, Jesus starts with the word listen and ends with the word listen. He wants people to hear. He's interested in how people hear him. But parables are kind of an interesting beast. Parables, we often think, are little stories that people use to help us understand things. We're going to see this week and next that parables don't always just help to understand. Sometimes they cover over. They're used in a twofold way. Parables take life situations and draw parallels between them and a truth that's taught. And what Jesus is trying to show the parallel between here is a well-known farming analogy and how we hear the word of God. So in verse 10, the disciples, they hear this parable, but they don't get it. Gives you great confidence, doesn't you? Doesn't it? You're like, well, if they were there and they don't get it, then sometimes when I'm reading the Bible and I find it hard, that's okay. Like, you know, this has been happening from the beginning. There are some things that are tricky to understand. And then, so these disciples in verse 10 decide after they've heard this parable that Jesus spoke in public and probably stood around going, hmm, yes, that's right. And they kind of come along in verse 10 and, and they go to Jesus privately, of course, as we always do, want to make sure no one sees us going, look, Jesus, sorry, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. And so he explains it to them in verse 14. And what we see is that the, the seed is thrown out by the farmer. Those seeds are the word of God. They're being scattered all over the place. Good places, hard places, places where you wouldn't necessarily think. The farmer's just scattering the seed all over his place in every direction. He doesn't really care. But then Jesus shifts the illustration. And now the seeds become the people. Now, this is a little note if you're the kind of engineering type that sometimes picks up on illustrations and says, this illustration doesn't always align perfectly when you apply it here. I just want to say that's godly because Jesus shifts his illustration here as well from saying that the seed is the word of God to the seed is the people of God. It changes. So there's a biblical precedent. So don't hassle me too much. In 15, verse 15, we read this. Some are like the word sown on the path. What's on view here now is not the sowing of the word, but people's response to this word of God going out. How they hear the word of God. How they hear the news of Jesus. Now, it's no coincidence where Mark places this parable. He's put it here straight after chapter 3. What did we see last week? All these different responses to Jesus. And the reaction that, that Jesus provoked. Mark's gone, look at the way people responded to Jesus. And then he places Jesus' teaching about this parable. There were the crowds who just wanted Jesus to fix their need. There were the evil spirits who wanted to control him and how deceive. There were the religious leaders who wanted to reject him and say he was doing this from Satan. There were his family who were embarrassed by him and his followers who sat at his feet and listened to him. And now Jesus speaks this parable. He gives the reason for people's reaction and it's all got to do with how you hear. So let me show you three ways of not hearing God's word. That's our kind of big next section. Three ways of not hearing God's word. The first one is that Satan snatches it. He snatches the word away. The word of God is, is spoken. People hear the news of Jesus, but it has no impact on their lives. It's kind of like they, they saw it, then it blew away. Have you ever seen that skywriting that planes do sometimes? You know, they write love or hope or some message like, you know... Um, um, v you know, in, the, in the sky, and I don't think it's V, it was someone else, it was Red Bull. Anyway, see, that's the point. 
these planes come and they do these skywriting messages in the sky, but often before they're even finished, the, the kind of end letter, the first one's blown away. Have you ever, and you can't remember it. You're like, what was that? Ah, oh, it's kind of gone now. The wind just blew it away. Same sort of thing here with the way that Satan takes away the word of God from people. He snatches it away before it makes any impact. And they think nothing more of it. Now, nothing else. This has got to be a reminder that the kingdom of God is a spiritual battle. That's what's going on here. It's not all logical argument and persuasive reason. There's, there's more going on. Now, the gospel is logical and it's totally persuasive to the mind of reason. But Satan is trying to distract us, to pull us aside, to let those words just go through and disappear. Like a bird to the farmer, a wind to the skywriting plane, so is Satan to the word of God. He snatches it away from us, puts other things in front of us, distracts us, overwhelms us, fills us with great comfort and satisfaction in anything but God before the sowing is even finished. Friends, really hearing the kingdom of God, really hearing Jesus' word is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul says, Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. Friends, Satan is at work. He's trying to snatch the word of God away from people, whisking that word away. Look at 2 Corinthians 4. The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. All too often we see that experience where someone looks at Christianity, but they hear the message of Jesus dying in their place, they understand it, but it just makes no impact. It might have even been you. You might have been like, yeah, it doesn't really mean that much to me. It's just swift away. It's a spiritual battle. If that is you or if there are others like that, then pray. Pray to God who is in control. While we keep showing people the, the evidence for Jesus, the historic reliability of the scriptures, how it fits with our experience of the world and the claims that Jesus make, we can't argue someone into the kingdom. We can't. It's a spiritual battle. God must bring them in. So while we need to keep showing people the evidence for Jesus, we need to do battle on a spiritual level. We need God to act. We need to be people of prayer who are praying that God's word would bear fruit in the lives of people. So often my prayers are kind of a last resort. I don't know if you're similar. You're like, I've been trying to explain Jesus to my family or to this friend, and it's not getting everywhere, and I've done all that I can. And I'm like, all right, God. Now you have a go and I'll pray. Rather than thinking, no, I'm going to be praying to him first. That should be my first port of call for those who have not yet truly heard Jesus, that Satan wouldn't snatch the word away, but that God would allow people to hear. There's a great line in um, Finding Nemo, the movie. If you've seen it, brilliant. It's from Dory, the fish who swims around. And her little motto in life is like, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. I think we need to hear... Keep on praying, keep on praying. What am I doing? Keep on praying. Like we need to hear that because it is a spiritual battle. And sometimes it can feel hopeless. It can feel like we're not in control. But there's a great comfort to the reality that God is in control. The comfort comes from knowing that it's not me who's going to convert anyone. It's not me who's going to argue them into the kingdom. While God might use me, it's not up to me. It's up to God. 
Now that frees me to share the news of Jesus like a crazy farmer, scattering it everywhere. To, to, to talk to people and, and to explain the evidence for him, to tell of the hope that we have, all the time knowing that it doesn't rely on me, that God will do the work prayerfully depending on him. Now the first type of not hearing God's word comes from when Satan snatches away and it doesn't even find root anywhere. The second way of not hearing God's word, the second way, is the rocky ground. Now, it seems that this kind of seed, as the word has gone out, this kind of person gets off to a flying start. They're excited about Jesus. They're like, this is awesome. Jesus is great. I'm convinced he's the king, but has no root or depth. When persecution or, or trouble comes, it just withers in the sun. See, persecution and troubles in life often polarize people. They, they push them to two extremes, send you one way or another. I think of um, my, my dad and my auntie. So when my dad was 18, his dad, my grandfather, died. 45 years old, had a heart attack. And that pushed my dad to ask questions of what really matters in life. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, what matters in life? Where, what, what is the important thing for us to be doing? Whereas my auntie, his sister, it pushed her away from God. And it kind of had this polarizing effect of how could God let this happen? And, and she's walked away and it's drawn my dad towards him where eventually he would trust in Jesus. But my auntie hasn't yet. When persecution, when persecution comes, these seeds in the rocky ground, they just give up listening to Jesus. And you notice in verse 17 that the persecution, it actually comes because of the word. It's not just any persecution, it's because they're trusting in this message of Jesus. Hear this, friends, following Jesus will result in persecution. It's going to happen. Now, we shouldn't seek it out and do dumb stuff just so that people can say you're an idiot, because you probably are if you're just doing dumb stuff. No, but if you're trusting Jesus, people are living for someone else, against the, the flow of, of the current, and, and that, that doesn't work in this world. If you're anything like me, I, I often feel like it would be so much easier to give Christianity up than to stand up as a Christian in this world, wouldn't it? How much more time would we have for ourselves, or more money, or more holidays, or no awkward conversations that we think we're going to rise from the dead? You could just go along with the flow of society, seems like it would be easier, but it's just not the truth. What will you be like when you get persecuted? What will you be like when someone just kind of pulls back from being your friend because, well, you're, you're a weird Christian? When you're mocked, when you're not invited to things, when you're just talked about in a condescending way as if you believe in God. <laughs> How will you respond in those moments? Will you stop listening to Jesus? Or will you keep listening? What are the raw nerves for you, the persecution points, where if someone pushes them long enough, you'd walk away? Have you ever thought through that? Have you ever noticed where you're getting closer and closer to the edge? And you're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to stick here. What are those? I want to say it's worth thinking about that and chatting about those with someone today. Chatting with someone saying, you know how in the sermon we talked about those points that would make me maybe give up, that are those persecution points for me? I think it's here that I've felt it. Uh, chat with someone, talk about it with someone, stand alongside one another as we celebrate our ninth birthday of God bringing us along as a church and holding us in. We need to be there for one another and listening to one another. Eternity is at stake. Don't just stand back and be like, oh yeah, I know there are a few, but I'll just keep it to myself. And if the persecution hasn't come yet, 
If you're blissfully growing up like a fresh sunflower shoot, ready to shine in the world, going, this is amazing, then you need to hear this vaccination because it will come. Jesus tells us about this seed so we can recognize when we are like it and we can change the way we listen to the word of God. Knowing God, experiencing true forgiveness, knowing the truth of who he is far outweighs any persecution and hassling that anyone can throw at us. Eternity, life that does not end. Relationship with God now, knowing him, hearing him, following him now. Don't believe the lies. Well, the third way of not hearing God's word in this passage is the seed that grows amongst thorns. You kind of hear the background music with the thorns, like dun, dun, dun. It's that kind of idea, right? It's the thorns. The seed starts and it grows well, but it lands amongst a bunch of other stuff, weeds and thorns. It seems to be growing pretty well. You know, the weeds alongside the thorns, like, hey, weed, hey, thorn. And you're like, hey, it's going well. I'm growing well. Trust Jesus. Jesus is great. How's your life? Oh, it's good as well. (laughs) Everything's great. But then what happens is the weeds and the thorns that Jesus calls the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, our desire for other things, come and choke the word. They come and choke it. And I was thinking, why is wealth deceitful? I mean, biblically, there's nothing wrong with money. Money is used to do good and to do evil. Presumably, the farmer used money to buy the grain. Uh, Money can't be a bad thing in and of itself. But what Jesus is pointing to is its deceitfulness. It's deceitfulness. Money provides, what wealth offers is the illusion of security. It deceives us. It, It provides us with the illusion of comfort without God. I can be significant on my own. I don't need him. I don't need to depend on anyone else because I have money. I can go where I want to go, be where I want to be, get what I want to get. I really don't need God because (laughs) I can buy my way out. I can provide. I have money. I saw this, I've seen this with a number of my friends uh, that I grew up with and I went to university with. Some of those who um, were excited about Jesus at university, sharing the news of the gospel with others. And they stepped into kind of high-paid, high-flying jobs, disposable incomes where they could get what they want to get, a new car, building a new house. And, and some of them made their motives according to the lifestyle they wanted rather than the gospel need. They moved to places that they wanted to be because ought to be a nice place to live, not because there's a great opportunity there for me to be sharing the news of Jesus. They didn't get plugged into good churches. That They stopped listening to the, the word of God and were still Christians. But, you know, it just doesn't play that big a, a role in my life. And ended up, some of them, just walking away from Jesus. I'm sure you felt it yourself. How, how, how nice it would be not to have to worry about money and where it's coming from. Sometimes I've, I've thought through, ah, oh, that the old job that I had when I came out of university that paid so well, that Sarah and I had a heap of expendable income. Like, it was so easy and good. It was deceitful that it was easy and good. Wealth is so deceitful. The security and satisfaction it offers are really no security and satisfaction at all, for they last but such a short time. Jesus told another story of a farmer in the Gospel of Luke. The farmer had a bumper crop, went so well, he's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to smash down all my barns, build bigger ones, store it up, rake in the money. I'll be the man. 
And his plan was then to sit back after he'd done this bumper harvest, rest in the security and the safety of the self-made man. I'll retire. Put my feet up. Jesus says these words. Luke 12, verse 20. God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? Sometimes we get so focused on the good gifts of the Creator that we fail to recognize the goodness of the Creator. We fail to hear His voice. We fail to listen to Him and see that security can't be found in wealth or it's deceptive. Oh, God gives money. Money is good to be used for the kingdom, to enjoy, to share, to love others with. So long as we listen to the God who made us, Jesus who speaks His word to us. Verse 19, the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Really interesting word, isn't it? Choke the word of God. It's still there. They're still a Christian. I still kind of believe, but stop getting really choked out. It's not like they come in and behead the Christian. Gone, dead. Just they slowly creep in like a vine and wrap their tentacles around us and choke us the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for the other things. It's gradual, it's less detectable. It's the little decisions that we make to stand amongst others and let those things creep in, to push us away from, from coming to church regularly, from, from joining a connect group, from, from relationship with other Christians, from reading the word and listening to him. So many things come in and choke the word out. I don't know how many times I've seen someone who's been on fire for God. Been like, yes, I want to serve him with my life. And they fall in love with this person who, you know, they love Jesus, but Jesus isn't their top priority. And they end up marrying this person, but Jesus doesn't end up being the most important thing in their lives. They end up being kind of half-baked, lukewarm Christians and kind of slide away from being like, yeah, I want to serve him with my all. Hear the warning. If it's not a person, it might be a job or or another relationship or, or the idea of kids and how I want to see everything the best for my kids And it chokes out living for Jesus. We worship our kids, our spouse, our job, our comfort. Jesus, in this long section of his teaching around this parable, is saying it is deadly. It will choke us out. We need to hear the warning from Jesus. True satisfaction. The most satisfaction possible is found in hearing Jesus and following him. It's listening to him, not the stock market news, not the best steps from the careers advisor, not what our family around us are saying or our friends. It's listening to Jesus. Everything else will either shrivel and wither or be totally unfruitful. Let me ask you today, what is choking out the word of God in your life? Where is it that you've stopped listening to him? What things are coming in? to be front and center rather than God. Well, Jesus then moves to the final option in the four. The final option, the seed who hears the word of God. Look at verse 20. And those like seed sown on good ground, hear the word. They welcome it and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Those that hear the word, God brings about massive growth. 
the key to this growth, the, the key to its fruitfulness, its future security, is listening to God's word. It's how it hears the word of God. Right, this person hears it and accepts it. That They actually want to know what God has to say. They want to grow. They want to hear Jesus. They're sitting at the feet of Jesus. Not just coming to him to get stuff out, like we saw those reactions to Jesus last week. Not just wanting to push him aside and control him, but sitting at the feet of Jesus to say, teach me, Savior and King. Now, what's interesting is that Luke, uh, Mark here uses a different word for hear than all the other times we talk about hearing. The other times kind of like a hearing that you just hear once and that kind of, that's it. But the, the type of hearing word in the original here is, is one that's an, it's a repeated hearing. It's a continual listening. It's present and it's active. It's keep on hearing the word of God. That's what it is to, to be this good soil, to be the seed that falls amongst the good soil. With this person, they, they grow and, and multiply. And hearing becomes a continuing action, not a one-off event. I don't know how many times I've fallen off the horse of... Thanks, Siri. Wow. Literally says you're welcome. Is that Satan? Starts with S. I don't know how many times I've fallen off the horse of my regular Bible reading. And you're like, oh, it's just too hard to get back on. Ah, I haven't done it well, and you kind of just want to go, ah, stuff it. But it's this continual coming back and going, I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to make that determination to keep listening to Him. It's not a kind of cursory in one ear, out the other, but really letting God's Word shape and mold us. A type of hearing that makes an impact in the way we think, and act, and live, and breathe. I remember that the first time I... Preached, or it might have been the first or second time I ever preached a sermon. It was before I did an apprenticeship. And I remember preaching on, on Romans 13. And I'd applied that passage in terms of how we borrow and lend money to people. Someone came up to me after the service and said, if I apply what I think God's word is saying here and what you've said, I'm going to lose $5,000 from this investment I just went to go and do. I'm like, well, I think this is what the Bible's saying. He came back the next week and he said, that sermon cost me five grand. And it hit me. I'm like, wow, was I, am I sure this is what the Bible's saying? And I was. He was convinced. I encouraged him to work it out. But he actually went, I'm going to listen to the Word of God rather than my own wisdom. And I was like, wow, isn't the Word of God powerful? He was someone who wanted to sit under the Word of God and let it shape their lives. A couple of years later, he came back to me and he said, giving up on that investment that I lost five grand on was the best decision I ever made. There's no way I could have kept doing it. I extended myself way too far. I want to say, God's word is great. Thank you for preaching the word of God. I'm like, ah, oh, that's good. It doesn't always end well, humanly speaking, for us. But in God's eyes, it does. Hearing the word means understanding what God is like and who he is and meeting the Jesus that we meet on the pages of scripture. And now sometimes I hear people saying, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to grow in theology. Theology is just all those propeller heads and... But theology is literally the study of God. If we're working hard to understand who God is, that will impact the way we respond. Because if you really hear Jesus' word, if you understand who he is, do you notice what happens in the passage? It results in fruit. It changes the way that we live. All theology is practical. All of it. All understanding of who God is and what he has done should shape the way we live our lives. That God is in control of the world, is in control of who hears him. That gives me great comfort. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to pray to him. It means I'm not going to think it all depends on me and shrink and shrivel under the weight of that. 
As we understand more of God, it will shape the way we live and produce fruitfulness in us. Paul's goal for the Christians, God's goal for, for Christians, is maturity. To, be, to know God more and more and to make us fruitful. And that's partly why we celebrate birthdays, isn't it? We celebrate that this person is now another year older. This church is another year older. We've been another year made more and more like Jesus, hopefully, for those who trust in him. So Paul says in Colossians 1, verse 28, We proclaim Christ, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That should be our goal as we sit to listen to the word of God and let it shape and mold us, that it might bear fruit. Now, what does bearing fruit mean? Well, look to last week's passage, Mark 3.35. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Those who listen to God's word, take God's word as God's word, as he's put it in the Bible. Not this idea of, oh, I think God's saying for me to do this, that I'm getting somewhere else. We, we, we put it alongside the word of God that the apostles have written down and sent out to us. We test everything against God's word and let it shape our lives. That we might be people who are full of, what, are, what is the fruit singular of the spirit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. That is the fruit. It's not just pick one of those. It's saying that's what we ought to be like and becoming more and more like. So let me ask you today, which seed are you? As God speaks this word to you by his spirit, as he wrote these words down as they've come to us today, he knew you'd be here. He knew we'd all be hearing this. Where are we at? Are you in God's kingdom or not? Are you kind of wandering away perhaps? Loitering, kind of near the edge, thinking, oh, I don't know, I'll just hang here for a bit. Not really listening to him. I promise you, if you really listen to Jesus, if you really listen to him, it will change eternity for you. He will hold you and keep you and grow you. If you listen to him, it will change forever. Now, I need to hear Jesus' word today as much as anyone. It's so easy to become complacent as we open up the Word of God, to, to miss what He's saying, to be choked out by good things, to never spend the time to take it in deeply. We each need to work out, how do we do that? If you're not in a Connect group, I really want to say, come along to Newish Connect and then get into a Connect group. Take that seriously. We're opening the Word of God with others and thinking through what it means and sharing where you struggle and where you fall and where you succeed and how great God is. If you, if you can't get into a group for whatever reason, let us know on your Connect card and we'll bend over backwards to find a way to have something where you can be meeting with others uh, and opening up the Word together. Something to help you regularly applying the Word of God from Sundays. You know, the apostles in the early church, they met together morning and night every day. We, we kind of, we're a life support sometimes if we just come to church once a week. Oh, we need to do that. Keep doing that. Don't cut that off. But we need to be opening the Word of God ourselves and sharing it with others and encouraging others as, as we sit under it and hear it. If you're not regular at church, if you're not regularly sitting with other Christians, Jesus is saying to us here, you're in grave danger. These, these, these plants that grew up, if they did grow up, they did not survive, they did not last, they were not fruitful. So don't go there. 
no matter how hard it is, and I know it's hard, there's so much to get in the way, but it's worth it, isn't it? Listening to God, the God who loves us and made us and died for us, has given us his words so that we can respond. There's a sense here where I want to be really encouraging to us all and go, look at all the positives of of listening to the word of God. But I want to let this talk be shaped by the kind of tone that Jesus talks about. Jesus says, you don't listen to me, you die. That's what he's saying to us. We don't listen to his word, we die, death, end. He's not like, oh, oh, good cop. He's going, this is the reality. This is what you need to hear. How you respond to me will determine how I will respond to you in eternity. Now, often when we become Christians, we're super excited. We tell people about it. We, we, we tell our friends. We read the word like it's this new like, thriller book and we're flipping through all the pages and like, wow, this happened next and it's so exciting. But as time goes on, we, we get a bit tired we know some of the stories and we get apathetic. Maybe we get burnt by a bad experience, by another sinner just like us who said something dumb like we've said, but this one was particularly bad to me and so we, we walk away and we say, that's it, I'm done with the church. If that's you, if you're becoming apathetic and tired or grumpy or burnt, then I want to say, again, talk about it with someone today. Find someone that you can share with and just go, hey, look, I just want to chat. I'm in a really dry spot and I'd love you to pray for me might be a great opportunity just to reach out and that person might go, me too, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Or might be going, actually, I'm going well at the moment. I can definitely be praying for you. You know, how can I be helpful? The worst thing to do is to stop reading God's word. But it's so often what I end up doing. I'm like, oh, I'm just tired. I just, I look at it at other places, but I don't sit under it. There's a number of practical ways. You can keep listening to the word of God, the, the dwell app. Uh, that we have. You can jump online. If you, if you haven't got that, fill out a connect card. Say, hey, I'd love to well. It's uh, these great people reading the Bible to you with some good background music behind it. I find it really helpful when I'm just so exhausted I can't open the Bible to read. I'll turn on dwell, open up to Psalms and just listen to the Psalms. Felix is my favorite because he speaks slowly. If you listen, there's some people who know who Felix is. But yeah, it's just helpful to hear the word of God and be like, ah, this is to David. Well, this is what David is saying. But this is the same God. And this is what he's carrying me through by helping me to trust him in. Friends, the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. We just need to accept it. We need to hear it. Not throw our ears away. Well, I want us this morning, if we are trusting Jesus, if we are listening to him, to spend a moment marveling at how great God's word is. To spend a moment going, how amazing is this? That I can listen to the word of God. That I can know his forgiveness. That I can know how to live. That I can be fruitful. And as we see that great option we have of being able to speak the word of God, know the word of God, sit under the word of God, we should respond like the hardworking farmer who goes out throwing the seed out everywhere. I love that image. It's even on the path. Like he would have known. <laughs> no, I'm throwing it out. I'm throwing out the word of God everywhere that I go. And it's kind of why we exist as a church. As we celebrate our ninth birthday, as we think through what God has been doing in us and through us, we exist to spread the word of God with everyone in Auckland, New Zealand, to the ends of the earth. With our friends, our neighbors, our sports teams, those that we share hobbies with. We never know how people will respond. 
And so we ought to keep sharing this news of Jesus. You know, the person that you do talk about Jesus with, they might be, you might be the only Christian they'll ever meet. It might be the only chance they get to hear the gospel. So I encourage you, keep listening and hearing the word of God and keep speaking the word of God. But do notice, the farmer needs to be intentional in doing it. He doesn't just get up one morning and just go for a walk around the farm. Oh, yep, that was good. And kind of the seed somehow just flows out of him. No, he's like, I've got to get the seed. I've got to make sure I'm doing it. I've got to spread it places. I've got to make sure I've got enough. So we need to be intentional. We need to think through hanging out with our workmates. Thinking through inviting our neighbor to have a cup of coffee. To share the reason for the hope that we have. To to speak of God in our workplace. I mean, imagine if every Christian here today went away and prayed and asked God for an opportunity to speak the news of Jesus to someone this week. Imagine if we all did that. Lord God, please give us this opportunity to share the news of Jesus. I don't know how, I'm scared, but you're in control, you're good. The parable doesn't talk about how strong the farmer's arm was in throwing the seed. He just did it, and then God did the rest. Lord, would you please do that? And imagine God only answered 10% of those prayers. Do you know there would be 40 or 50 people who are sharing the news 40 or 50 people that are hearing the gospel and that God now has the opportunity to bring to himself through us. Oh, he could could do it his own way. He could make the rocks become Christians if he wanted to, he says to Abraham. But he chooses to do it through us. So I want to ask you, will you join me this week in praying that God would help us to share the news of God as we listen to his word? Let's pray together. Father God, we are so thankful that you have spoken. That we can come together and hear your word, that you preserved it in the Bible. And that as we hear what Jesus said and who he is and what he's done, we ask that you would amaze us. You'd captivate us by Jesus. Show us, Lord, the different areas in our life that we're allowing to choke out your word. Where we're not listening to you. Sorry for the times that we think we only need to listen to ourselves. Please help us to hear you. And therefore to respond fruitfully by sharing the news of Jesus with others, by being made more and more like Jesus. Would you help us every day as your people to be made into Jesus' likeness, to be more mature tomorrow than we are today? And as we go out and share this news, Lord, would you bring people to respond to it? Would you give us opportunities this week to invite people to church, invite them to read the Bible with us, to, to just share the reason for the hope that we have? Lord, please work by your spirit, through your word, for your glory. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.